Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm so glad you're here. It's an exciting morning already and uh, more to come. Obviously, uh, God is at work in our midst and God in his purposes cannot be stopped. Amen. No matter what others might try to do, the word of God is living. It is powerful. It is a two-edged sword. It is able to cut between soul and spirit. It is able to divide and help us discern and know the ways of life. The spirit of God is with us here today. Amen. He is speaking to us today. And we are listening to his voice today. Amen. His presence is here with us. And the power of Jesus is still resurrecting dead hearts. The power of Jesus is reminding us who we are in him so that we might walk in life. And no man and no power of hell can stand against what Jesus is doing in his church today. Amen? He cannot be stopped. He is powerful, all powerful. And we're seeing that happen here in our church. We're seeing lives changed. We're seeing redemption happen. We're seeing families restored. We're seeing marriages reconciled. We're seeing God do powerful things. And it might appear in our day that the enemy is having his day. And he might be having a time in some places. He might be having some victories in some places. But the truth of the gospel is he is going to be stopped and he will not win. The truth of the gospel is, is that Jesus is winning. Amen? Jesus is changing lives. The gospel is prevailing in homes. The gospel is prevailing in churches across our land today. I really like to think, and not just like to think, I firmly believe that where there is a spirit of freedom rising up in our land or around the world, it's because it began in a church somewhere. Because only in a church where the gospel is proclaimed and lives are being changed can the spirit of freedom come alive in a people. Only through the church can that happen. And only through the church will change come to our nation. It's not gonna start in Congress somewhere. It's gonna start in the church house somewhere. It's not gonna start in the media somewhere. It's gonna start in the church house somewhere. And I'm praising God that it is starting right here in this church house. Amen? It's happening right here. And we're ready to say, world, you can do what you want out there, but not in this church house and not in my town. Amen. Amen. Not here because this place belongs to Jesus and we belong to Jesus and we are walking in his ways. So with all of that in mind, we have been diligent here in these past eight years as a church. That's how long we've been here as vertical church. This church has been here for much, much longer than that. Early 1900s, God had a work he was doing here in this church. And over the past eight years, we've been in the process of walking in obedience to what Jesus has for the church so that he can restore the paths for this church, for this community, and for this nation. We've been working diligently in teaching and preaching and making disciples and using our facilities. You've heard us talk before about the fact that there used to be a daycare here that was not ours. It was a rent, uh, a group that was renting from us. Last year, that group said, we found another facility, we moved on, we cried just a little bit in that moment because it was providing income for us as a church, but it was the way God was working at the time. He had them move out so that growth could move in, so that more disciples could be made here in this place. So we are now in the process of restoring these facilities. And we began a, a project some weeks back 
where we said phase one of that project would be this downstairs lobby area, creating a family room, uh, a mommy room, and a greater lobby for our people who are coming in, a place where we can even have some classes downstairs. And that goal was 125000 The last time I talked to you, I mentioned to you that the last update was at 99913 And so now, today, here's our new uh, giving to date statement. We are now at 101.098. Amen. Yeah. God is providing. And so I ask you to continue to pray as God provides. We are getting all so close, some 24,000 away from uh, this first phase. So uh, God puts that on your heart. There are multiple ways for you to give. Um, There's a card in the seat back in front of you. You can pull that out and find how you can give there. Jesus was on a mission to set captives free. And we join him in that mission today. This series is all about how to set captives free, how to live set free. We can't set anyone free until we're ready to walk free. Amen? And this is what Jesus has called us to do. And today, I want to take on a topic that is uh, not a popular one in culture today. It's a topic that deals with mental health. Oh, the culture wants to talk about mental health, but the culture wants nothing to do with faith and spiritual health related to mental health. The culture wants to keep those two things separate. Today, we're going to see with abundant evidence from Scripture that if you want to have true mental health, you've got to first have true spiritual health. The Gospels tell the story uh, of a man that Jesus went to see. And this man, through a series of agreements that he had made with the enemy, this man, through a series of disobedience and walking in his own flesh and walking in anger and walking in unrighteousness, got to a place where he was totally consumed and was filled with demonic, well, demons, demonic activity. He had gotten to such a place that he could not even control his thoughts, his behavior, his words. He had to move out from among the people because he could not relate socially to people. He could not care for himself because he had made agreements. He had turned away from Jesus. He had given in to all that the enemy was lying to him about and whispering to him, and he became filled with those very demons. Jesus went out to see this man. And Jesus had a conversation with the man and those demons. And Jesus cast them out of the man. And the man was changed in that moment. Everything that he had done in the past, everything that he had made agreements with was broken in that moment. And he now agreed that Jesus was Lord. And those demons left him. And the Bible tells us that when people came to see this man, they noticed three things about him that they had not noticed were true of him before. When he lived in a place of really bad spiritual health and mental health. And when they saw him now, they said this, we saw him and he was sitting in his right mind. All of a sudden, all of the mental confusion, the mental bondage had left him. The the Bible says also they noticed he was clothed. He was back in a place where he was able to relate to other people. And he recognized what he needed to do to be healthy mentally, spiritually, and 
Most importantly, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. In this story and many others like it, the Bible draws a direct line between our spiritual health and our mental health. And you don't have to be demon-possessed to have poor mental health. You can have poor mental health by simply not agreeing with the truths of God. By choosing to live apart from the ways of God. By just listening to the lies of the enemy and making agreements with them. You'll find yourself in a place of poor mental health. Our message today is called a sound mind. What it means to live in a state of knowing I have been redeemed, I have been set free, and that is not just a spiritual truth, but it is a life truth, and it affects every part of my being. I have been made spiritually right with God through Jesus, and I am now growing and walking in greater mental health, emotional health, relational health, and even in my will, in my activities, my volitional health. I am more healthy because this is what God is doing in our life. He is working to not just redeem, but now to have us walk in a restored life with God. And if you've walked through lots of pain, you know the need to be restored. If you've walked through lots of guilt, you know the need to be restored. And the Bible draws this line between spiritual health and mental health. Let me show you a verse from Proverbs 4.23. We're going to look at multiple passages today, and I'll put some of these on screen. And we're going to use our board today. So if you've got some paper and pen, uh, get ready, because we're going we're to write and draw a lot today. So Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Proverbs says, your heart, the center of your being. The New Testament would go on and use a different word. Sometimes it uses the word soul, but often uses the word spirit, the very core of your existence, who you are, your deepest part of who you are. Proverbs says, guard that spot. Keep it with all diligence. Protect it. Protect what's there. Because what's there flows out into every area of life. It flows out into how you think, how you feel, how you see life, how you see yourself, how you see others. Guard this place. Guard your spirit. Guard your soul. Guard your heart with all diligence. And then the Bible shows us pictures of people who chose to not do that, who did not guard their heart, who did not keep God as the Lord of their life, but chose to reject him and do what they wanted to do. That produces poor health in our soul, which results in poor health in our relationships, in our emotions, and even in our mind. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 17. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walked. Now, this is a reference to those at that time who had not come to faith in Jesus Christ. We might say you should no longer walk as the rest of the world walks today. 
We don't walk like them. We don't talk like them. We live a different life than them. And here's what Paul says about that. They were walking in the futility or the emptiness or the vanity of their mind. They were operating out of a place where their mind was in chaos. In other words, because of their lack of spiritual health, they were having some mental health issues. The Bible ties these two together throughout. So their mind was chaotic. It was unsettled, uncontrolled. It was consumed with itself. It was in a fantasy state, not a reality state. It was arrogant and it was anxious. It was fearful because they were not living with their soul changed. And here's what it says in verse 18. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. In other words, they were living apart from God in their core. And as a result, it was affecting everything about their mind. Spiritual health drives mental health. Let me illustrate it to you this way in what the Bible tells us. Let's start, first of all, and talk about this idea of spirit or soul. And let's talk about someone who is what the Bible refers to as lost. They are not living by following Jesus Christ. And those who do, there are some things that are true, not just about their thoughts, not just about their emotions, but about who they are in the core of their being. Those who are alienated or separated from God by their own choices. They are, number one, they are guilty. They live with this sense of guilt on their life. They know they have done wrong and they live trying to find a way to deal with the guilt, trying to find a way to deal with their failures because everybody, everybody sins and fails. Amen? And so everybody has to find a way to deal with the guilt and the shame in our life. Jesus offers a way out. But if you don't accept that, then you have to live with this guilt. You live then with your soul, your core being dark. There's no hope. There's no light. There's no direction. There's no sense of, I can't wait for tomorrow. I, I see what God has for my life. Instead, is this very dark, clouded, consumed with self and just the moment life. It's a dark soul that they have, the Bible talks about. They also live, the Bible says, under condemnation. They are condemned. This is not God doing this to them. This is them choosing to live in their sin and you live condemned, Jesus said. Jesus said, I have not come to condemn the world. They're already condemned because of their sin. They're living in this sense of condemnation and failure and rejection and I'm not enough and I can't do enough. They also live empty. They are doing all they can to try to find something for meaning in their life. They're chasing after money. They're chasing after popularity. They're chasing after social media likes. They're chasing after some kind of pleasure to somehow soothe all of this because they are also very alone inside. This is the condition of someone who does not know Christ. And no one can live under this weight. Nobody can live under this. You will either turn to Christ 
in this to find hope or you'll do what you can, whatever you can to somehow deal with this. You'll turn to alcohol, you'll turn to pleasure, you'll turn to wrong relationships, you'll turn to the crowd, you'll do something because nobody can live in this. And when you try to, it has an impact on everything about you because what you are in spirit will show up in your mind. It will show up in your mental health. Now this is the awkward part that the world doesn't really like the church talking about very much is the connection between these two right here. Because the world likes religion just to stay in its neat and tidy box on Sundays on a church corner. But Jesus, Jesus came that we might have life, not just on Sunday, but every day and in the core of who we are. And if this is who you are in your core, if this is who you are in your spirit, you are having some mental health issues. The Bible illustrates these. They are part of our existence before we come to Christ. And I want to tell you up front, you're going to recognize in this next list I'm going to write, you're going to recognize some things that you and I might be dealing with. Because I list these does not mean you are lost. It might mean that you and I might still be living in our old guilt and shame instead of living in the life that Jesus has for us. Are you with me so far? Because one of the things that happens in our mental health, if these are true in our spiritual health, one of the things you're probably experiencing is some racing thoughts. You get to this place where your mind just and it just won't stop. It's racing about what you need to do next. It's racing about what you did last. It's racing about five years ago. It's racing about five years from now. And you can't stop the race. It just keeps going. It keeps you up at night. It wakes you up in the morning. It gets you up and it keeps you up all the time. Because when your spirit is not free for whatever reason, then your mind will not be free either. Another mental health issue is compulsive thoughts where they just insist that you give in to them, that you have them. You find it difficult to say no to them. You can't stop them. They demand attention. And the person who doesn't know Christ has no power to even control their mental thoughts because they are dominated by all of these. A person who's living in guilt and darkness and condemnation and they're empty inside and they're all alone, they're going to have some dark thoughts and they will demand the attention of that person. They will also have thoughts that are corrupt because they don't have anything bigger inside, anything greater inside them, they are just filled with corrupt thoughts. They're immoral thoughts. They're dangerous thoughts. They're destructive thoughts. These, are, these come natural to us until we are born again. And then the enemy is still gonna keep offering them as temptation if we don't renew our mind in Christ. Also, there are anxious thoughts. There are thoughts where we live in fear, where we live by the what if. We live by the worry. Again, just because you have these does not mean you're lost, but it might mean you're still having thoughts 
that are like you were when you were lost. I can relate. I can put myself right here in a very short amount of time if I'm not renewing my mind in Christ. Let me just go ahead and get real unpopular here. OCD thoughts. You know what the core of that is? The core of that is, I've got to have everything perfect in my life. I've got to have everything. This has to be just this way. You walk into a room, it's like, no. Ah. You know what I'm talking about? OCD thoughts, are you with me? Anybody? It happens. You think, well, that's just a mental thing. It is, but I'm going to tell you one more time. The Bible draws a line between mental health and spiritual health. And a person that is not at rest here that somehow thinks, I've got to do something that's right. I've got to do something perfect because I never do anything perfect. I'm always guilty. I feel condemned. I've got to have everything perfect. Guess what they're going to do in their life? They can't rest. They can't rest here because there's no rest here because there's no rest here. This is where it comes from. OCD is one of those things that deals, that comes as a result. Even invasive thoughts, thoughts that just come out of nowhere, and I know the enemy can do this, and I know our, our own temptations can do this, and Satan can offer those to us, but a person who is still lost, they have no way to even deal with these invasive thoughts that just come on the scene, and they just demand your attention. They just walk up and grab you, and you can't even do anything about it in that moment, and you feel like you have to give in to it. That is a mental health issue that comes from a spiritual health issue. If you don't have the spirit of God within you, if you don't know that you're raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places and have the power within you to say no, then you'll give in every time and find yourself a slave to those thoughts. They'll also be very destructive thoughts. Thoughts that are destructive to you destructive to others. These are just some of the mental health issues that grow out of having a spiritual health problem. The Bible draws a line between these. Now, the Bible is also clear that Jesus did not leave us or come to condemn us here. Aren't you grateful? That Jesus didn't see us in that and say, yep, that's it for you. To hell you go. No, instead the Bible says this in Romans, um, I'm sorry, in Colossians 1.21. It says, and you, it's you and me, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind. You once were like this in your spirit and in your mind. You once were alienated, separated, and enemies in your mind by your wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled. In other words, while you and I were like this, Jesus saw us and he came and took upon himself all that held us, all that was holding us, all that was keeping us in the tomb. And he showed us great grace in that moment. Because when you're living in this, 
You're not earning any points with heaven. You, in fact, are just pushing the points up that demand more judgment upon you. But God showed his love for us and that while we were this, he sent his son. He showed grace for us. He did not give us what we deserve. And he said, now, if you will receive that by faith, if you will admit this is where you are, if you will admit what I have done, and if you will receive that by the act of faith, not by performance, not by church attendance, not by trying to give enough, not by trying to be good enough, but if you will receive that by faith, it will transform us. We will be born again. Amen? And that totally changes us. Not just in our spirit, but the fact that you received it by faith actually has a powerful impact on our mental health, our emotional health, and our spiritual, physical health even. So that how you live now is a reflection of what has been done for you. This changes how you live. So here's what that looks like. When a person is born again in their spirit, when they receive Christ, Jesus said you are then born again in your spirit. You become a new identity. And here in this place, now you know you are forgiven. Man, that's not just a Sunday religious term. That is a life soul term. To know that I had failed and walked away from God and offended him and stiff-armed him and that by grace and by the cross and by receiving that by faith, he forgives me that transforms us at the core to know my sins are forgiven. That is where new life comes from. And this changes a person to know you've been forgiven, to know the Bible says you have been accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. You have been welcomed into heaven. You have been welcomed into the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And you have been brought in there. The Bible says also in Ephesians, we've been seated with him in heavenly places. I have been brought in. This has a profound impact on my spirit, the core of who I am. I am also loved. Just to know the one I had stiff-armed, the one I had rejected, he loves me. To know you are intimately and deeply loved, so much so that he knew your days before you existed. He knows your days in the future. And he sent his son to prove his deep love for you. And that when you receive him, you are even given security in him. 
He will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. You belong to him and that you have ultimate peace with God. Here's the way the Bible describes that in Romans 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive Christ in that moment, the Bible says you were justified. You were not only forgiven of your past, but you were given a new identity. You were given a new title. You were given a new name. And this name is one that you don't deserve. This is a new name that you could never earn, but it is placed upon you because God chose to put it upon you when you came to him by faith. And that new name is justified. In other words, you have been declared righteous. You say, I don't feel very righteous. This is not about how you feel. This is about what God declares. And he says, now you have been justified. You have been declared righteous. Your slate is now clean, not just of your past, but of your future. And now you are made right with God. And as a result, Romans 5, 1 says, you have peace with God. You can take a deep breath and rest. Your eternity is secure. Your relationship is secure. His love for you is secure. There is settled peace with God. This is what happens in our spirit. And this has an impact on our mental health. Because what you now believe about what Jesus has done shows up in how we think. And the Bible tells us this truth in Romans 12. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible separates the mental from the spiritual and says, because these are now true of you, here is now a way that you should think. Here is now a way that you should let your mind function. Because when I believe these are true about me, then my thoughts start doing something. They start settling. When I know I'm forgiven, when I know I have peace with God, when I know I now belong in Christ, when I know my eternity is secure, that has an impact on my thoughts. My thoughts and my mental health begins to just settle a bit. Amen? I start believing truth and it starts affecting my mental health. I allow truth to shape me and my thoughts begin to settle. I start having thoughts that are much more controlled. There's no more chaos. 
There's no more just outlandish, I can't settle down. I can't, I can't settle down at all. I, I just got all these racing thoughts. I got all these problems going on in my life. Settle down. Let's remember, you're deeply loved. Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus was resurrected for you. His spirit is in you. You have security with God. He is working all things together for your good. Just take a breath and let the spirit control. Amen? You also start having thoughts that become more clear. They're not chaotic anymore. They're not outlandish anymore. I began to be present in the space. I'm now here in the moment. I'm not somewhere far away. I'm not somewhere distant and removed. I'm not removed from the reality that's me and that's in this moment. Instead, I'm very present. I'm not somewhere way off in my mind, although my body is here. I'm here. I'm clear. I'm thinking rightly. My thoughts are ordered. My thoughts are controlled. Also, I began to live very grateful. I'm not bitter. I'm not vindictive. I'm not critical. I begin to be grateful for what God has given me. And I begin to live driven. Not obsessive, but I have purpose now because I know who my Redeemer is and I know he's called me. And I began to live very confident. These are the mental health that follow good spiritual health. I began to renew my mind. I began to think on these things, as Romans says. I don't have to live like this anymore. You might say, well, I've come to Christ, but man, I still struggle with some of this right here. I get it. This is why Paul tells us here in Romans, don't be conformed to what the world is doing. Don't let all of this shape you. And by all means, don't let anyone tell you this is just who you are. Don't let anyone tell you this is just your problem you're going to have. Don't let anyone give you a label that says this is the way life is always going to be. Don't be conformed to that. You might have that. I might have this. But I'm going to be renewing my mind to remember who I am in Christ so that my thoughts will reflect who I am. Amen? Then I will start having mental health that is right, that is good, that reflects Jesus, that reflects his life in me. I close with this verse from 2 Timothy 1.17. It reminds us of this truth. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Don't let anyone tell you this is how you have to live. If you have this, run to the cross. Remember who you are and allow that to change your mind. God, I'm remembering, that's what you can tell yourself, you have not given me a spirit of fear. You've not given me a spirit of guilt. You've not given me a spirit of condemnation. 
You've not given me a spirit of emptiness and isolation. You have given me a spirit of love. You have given me a spirit of power to overcome. And you have given me a spirit of a sound mind that is settled. So much so that when people see you, they say, man, I hadn't seen you in a while. I remember when things were kind of chaotic for you. I remember when you were kind of all over the page. I remember when it just seemed like you didn't know where you were going. But now there's something different about you. Different spirit. There's a spirit of love about you. There's a spirit of power about you. There's a spirit of clarity. Yeah. Because that's what Jesus does. He'll give you a sound mind. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you that while we were far away, while we were in darkness, while we were in confusion, while we were without hope, when our soul was in darkness and our mind was in darkness, you saw us, you called us, you came for us so that we might be free. So I thank you that through Jesus, through the power of your spirit within us, we don't have to live slaves to what we were. We don't have to be slaves to the racing thoughts and the anxieties. We can rest in you. We can listen to your spirit. We can be settled and have your health in our mind, in our emotions, and in our life. I thank you for these promises in Jesus' name. Amen.